Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see all of you. Yes, I was kidnapped. <laughs> but I would go back to Nigeria in a heartbeat. I love that country. There's something about Nigeria. When you're there, it's very infectious. You know what I'm talking about. It's very infectious, and I, I love the people. And, um, and thank you for inviting me back. I think the last time I was here was maybe end of May, so it's been about four months. And you know it's a good sign when the host pastor invites the speaker back. Because the first time, you don't know if, uh, if you completely ruined everything. You don't know if, you know, but this is a good sign, so I'm grateful for the relationship. It's a confirmation. Praise God. This is for in a little bit. Okay. So like the pastor said, um, I am a pastor, but I consider my mission... Oh, before I, uh, I, I should introduce, um, I'm an Uber driver in this city. Maybe I've picked up some of you. How many of you have I picked up? Raise your hand. Why? Wow, more than I thought. Wow. It's amazing. Uber is my missionary field in this city. I've led people to Christ in that car. I've had to be a paramedic in that car. Almost had to deliver a baby in that car. Tens of thousands of rides later. It's one of those opportunities when you're in a shut door car. The rider can't go anywhere. So you have this conversation. And, uh, and today, one of my Uber riders whom I met only yesterday is here. Please welcome Peter is here. Peter, please, please, please have your seat. Please forgive me. He told me he, he's a Chinese architect, 73 years old, still practicing, flying back and forth to Hong Kong, and we're honored to have you here. And a child of God on top of that. So, honored to have you here, sir. Thank you for coming with me today. I'm so happy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the Chinese Christians as well. You know, the Chinese church is going through some very interesting things. Some of you know uh, the oppression that sometimes happens in certain parts of China, but... I thank God that no matter what country you go to, Nigeria, Canada, or China, or anywhere in the world, there's only one God, and there's only one Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There's only one Savior in the whole world. Amen. In some cultures, they call him by different names. I had one Muslim woman, and she told me, she said, yes, we know, Isa is coming back. I said, who? Jesus. Isa, we know, he's coming back. So whether you call him Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the fact is he is the only begotten Son of the Father. And he is our Savior and our Lord and the only way to heaven. Praise God. Are you ready for some more word this morning? Are you sure? This entire month you have been talking about fruitfulness, haven't you? Are you feeling fruitful? All right. Well, as a preacher... I feel my position is just as uh, the UPS man. I'm just here to deliver the package. So I'm just here to give you what the Lord gave to me, and then we'll, dis uh, we'll go on our way. Amen? So this verse of scripture that your pastor laid on his heart, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and we've read it multiple times this morning, as many of you have probably discovered all through this month, this passage is loaded. It is loaded. It could easily be a five or six part series. 
It could be a theme for the entire year of 2023. This passage is loaded. King James, we know. You, many of you could probably quote it by now. God bless them. He said unto them, be fruitful. That's series number one. Multiply. Series number two. <laughs> and it goes on and on. Replenish, subdue, have dominion. The Amplified Bible, just for interest's sake, renders the verse like this, just for more context, just to shed more light on this passage. And God blessed them, granting them certain authority, and said to them, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subjugate it, putting it under your power. And rule over, dominate. Somebody say dominate. dominate. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves upon the earth. We could call this in its entirety, if I, was, I were to capsule that verse, this is our dominion mandate as children of God. We're supposed to take over. Jesus Christ has come into the world and he gave us a, a divine assignment. And we are here to take over. We do not subjugate or put other people under us. But we are to be the best in our field wherever we go. And to light our candle, that song was so powerful, to, to spread that light of God's goodness and the spirit of God in you, now it's supposed to shine everywhere in the world. I'm speaking today from a subtitle or the thought, and you can turn to your neighbor and help me announce my, my text. Say, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. You can't keep me down. Say it. Turn to your no other neighbor and say, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. You can't keep me down. Say it. Praise God. Now I want you to tell, speak into the atmosphere and tell that difficult circumstance and talk to the devil to his face and say, devil, you can't keep me down. You will be fruitful. You will multiply. You will replenish this earth. And anything that tries to keep you down, it can't stop what's about to happen in your life. Your fruitfulness will be seen. It's not going to be hiding it. No, when you're fruitful, you will be seen. Never let anything or anybody stop your productivity. If God gave you a dream for that business, for that ministry, for that marriage, for that family, I refuse to let it stopped or be hindered by any outside or satanic force. I absolutely refuse. First John 4 verse 4, and I'm going to run quickly here. So just follow me. Ye are of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are conquerors. You are overcomers. You are champions of God. And you are destined to win in life. And I know also Nigerians are winners. Amen? Praise God. If God created and designed you to be fruitful and productive, then I'm, then I'm going to plant my feet and plant my flag and stand proudly, and I'm going to do exactly that. If God called me to do that, the winds may come, but I am going to run that business. I'm going to stand for my family. My father, uh, my, my biological father, every morning... Uh, I grew up on the farm, and there was a long road made of gravel that went to the end that connected to the main highway. 
and my father raised a flagpole at the end. And every morning, he would walk to the end of the road and raise the flagpole. This is where we live. And he would raise the Canadian flag, sometimes the Israeli flag. And because we lived on the Canada-US border, sometimes the American flag. Raise your flag. Who are you? What is your identity? What has God called you to do? Somebody say, you can't keep me down. Within the few moments that I have, I felt impressed of the Lord to speak to you today. And I haven't reviewed any of the messages on YouTube that have come from this house, but I'm sure it's been good. I just haven't had time. But hopefully something I say today will add more light to this discussion as you round up your month of fruitfulness. I want to talk to you. Let's start a discussion by talking about the seed, the tree, and the fruit. The seed the tree, and the fruit. And so as we begin our discussion on fruitfulness, and specifically fruitfulness in the church, um, you know how sometimes in math class the teacher will give you the problem and then the solution. But sometimes, on rare occasions, the teacher might give you the, the answer first, and now you have to solve for the problem, or you have to create the problem. So I'm going to take that very simply. And my assignment from your pastor was to talk about fruitfulness specifically in the church. Okay, so that is my assignment this morning. When we talk about fruitfulness or results in the church, very simply, we're talking about souls, aren't we? We're talking about adding more and more souls to the kingdom. So we're looking for more souls, more people, more numbers. Crossing over from darkness into light. Crossing over from the bad side to the good side. Colossians 1 verse 13, God has rescued us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. As Christians, we are involved in this special ministry of reconciliation, reaching out our hands to those who do not yet know Christ and plucking them out like Superman, picking them up out of the mud, uh, out, of, out of despair, out of drugs, out of addictions, out of all the things that the world tried to tell them that could satisfy them, but it will never satisfy them, and we know that. Only Jesus, only Jesus Christ can satisfy the, the, the longing of your soul. We hold our hands open to this hurting and dying world with this message. Doesn't it feel good to be on the winning side? It feels good to wake up in the morning and know that we are on the winning side. Now, Jesus taught us to pray, didn't he? Thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. And we further understand God's purpose in the world that it is to save souls. And some people might ask, well, what is God's will? But 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promise as some counsel in us, but he's patient not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to the knowledge of the truth. It is God's will that none should perish. God doesn't want to see Muslims go to hell. God doesn't want to see the Buddhists go to hell. He doesn't want to see the Sikhs and the Indians and the Punjabis go to hell. God can save them, but God is going to use you in your sphere of influence to touch those people and tell them about Jesus Christ. Yes, the Punjabis can be saved. The Sikhs can be saved. They can. All can be saved. Are we willing to reach out to people who may not look like us? Praise God. Now, the seed, the tree, and the fruit. 
As we examine this process of fruitfulness, we can observe that the seed is the smallest component in this process, isn't it? It's the smallest. Just because a seed is small does not mean it is not powerful. God has a habit of taking the small things in our lives and making them to become something huge, something large. So, your business just started off as a simple idea, scrawled on a napkin. But today it's a multi-location franchise with growing revenues. Maybe you had an idea you'd like to be married, but now not only are you married, you ended up having four children, you got older, now seven grandchildren, and you have a very rich, blessed life. You're fruitful. You started off as a humble employee in an entry-level job and discovered you were good at it. And years later, you find yourself in the position of CEO at that same company. This church, I believe, started off as a dream, a vision in the heart of your pastor. And your pastor took steps of faith. He talked to people, started services, now has a building and a growing congregation. And I think he's very proud of you all. And I think he loves all of you. He has a big heart. Never despise the day of small beginnings. Zechariah 4 verse 10 in the NLT says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. God can take the little you have and do big things with it. Young people, listen to me. You are special. You are somebody. You can do big things in life. God didn't call you to play small, and you don't have to be like your friends who are going by the wayside. You can be the influence in their life. You don't have to be infected by negative friends. You can affect them positively for the kingdom of God. Don't let their darkness encroach on the light in your heart. Young people, you are something. I believe among you there are preachers. There are ministers. There are CEOs and company presidents among you and leaders of this country. Praise God. You have to have vision. You have to see it before it manifests in your life. And we're saying all that while we're holding up this tiny little seed and we're wondering, can this little idea, this little, can it really grow into something? How is that possible? But a seed is small and yet it is still powerful. So, I have with me an illustration. Okay. Just two pieces of fruit I picked up at Walmart this morning. Just to illustrate. It's fine. Laws of fruitfulness. Law number one, the law of duplication. If I cut open this apple, what am I going to find? Seeds. Now, if I cut open this apple, Am I going to find orange seeds inside? No. What kind of seed am I going to find? Apple seeds. So when you open this apple, you are, the first law is the law of duplication. You will only find seed within the fruit of its same kind. And we are the seed of God. We are born of incorruptible seed. You see, when we were out in the world, we belonged to the devil. We were following the devil's ways, and he essentially was our father. But when we were translated through that divine experience into the kingdom of light, the seed changed. Praise God. So law number one, duplication. 
Law number two, optimal environment. Let's say we cut open this apple and we have an apple seed that's ready for the planting. You have to plant that seed in an optimal environment with right temperature, right amount of moisture in order for a process called germination to take place. The moisture has to, just follow me here a little bit, the moisture has to work its way into the seed and, and soften the outer shell of that seed and at the same time the water is dissolving nutrients in the soil and allowing the nutrients to work their way into the seed and now the embryo starts to enlarge and to grow and that seed starts to get bigger and bigger and next thing you know you're breaking through the topsoil. So, I was looking on the internet and I said, well, and, and I came across this fascinating story back in 2005. Some of you may have heard about this, but in the land of Israel today, in 2005, two doctors, uh, Dr. Sarah and Dr. Elaine, uh, from the uh, Lewis Boric Natural Medicine Research Center uh, in the Hagasa Medical Organization. These two women, they found five seeds and found that they were 2,000 years old. They came from Masada, likely from the era when the Romans attacked Masada. And they tried to see if they could germinate them. They planted three of them and one of them succeeded. That seed, and it turned out to be uh, an, an ex what they thought was an extinct version of the date palm. That palm seed had been lying dormant for 2,000 years. And after eight weeks of nourishment and proper germination and being in the right environment, it still sprang to life. And, to, and they planted it. It is bearing fruit now, real dates in the land of Israel, from a tiny 2,000-year-old seed. Amazing. Gathering and collecting dust. Amazing. Now, there's another kind of seed that we know about. And maybe it's been collecting dust in your home. It's the seed of the Word of God. Some of us have stacks of Bibles in our homes, but we don't read them. It may not, might not be everybody. Maybe your neighbor. Maybe somebody else. <laughs> Is your Bible collecting dust at home? So the natural tells us a lot about the spiritual, doesn't it? And when we give voice to God's Word, because we're wondering, okay, I have my Bible, I read my Bible, how do I plant things in the spirit realm? We plant it, the Bible says, in Psalm 103, verse 20, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. So it's not just the word of God, because this is leather and paper and ink, and it's just sitting there. What makes the difference, and the way I plant it, is by giving voice, speaking the word of God out loud into the atmosphere, and I plant things in the spirit realm. I don't know if you follow me. Hallelujah. So that's the seed. That's the seed. Let's talk about the tree. When we see the tree, the fruit, and the seed, 
we also realize that the tree itself is probably the largest structure in this whole process, isn't it? The tree is the largest component. Tree talks about structure, organization, systems of management. The church is both an organism and an organization. It has a life-giving component, but there's structure. The technology that's, and the light and the utility and the building that's running our service today, it would not happen without structure, without some planning. Praise God. And very quickly, I'm going to run through, generally speaking, what I believe to be some of the main branches, the offshoots of the church. The branches that help to sustain fruitfulness. We already know the answer. We're just trying to find the problem. So what are the systems that run the church? How do they work? Well, if I were to pick two scriptures that talk the most about what the church is about, I would have to turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22. And in verse 37 through 40, Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And Matthew 28, 19, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Somebody say, you can't keep me down. Praise God. We already have our marching orders from the Master himself. So, if we picture the church as a tree, let me illustrate for you one branch of this. Number one, love the Lord with all your heart. That branch is worship. The church exists to worship God. How do we love God with all our heart? By worshiping Him. And worship comes before service. Sometimes we can get so busy working for God, we don't have time to express our love for Him through worship. We have to be careful of that. And we shouldn't worship out of duty. We should worship because we want to. We should enjoy our expressing our love to God. Let's add another branch to that, that tree. Love your neighbor as yourself. The word that describes that branch is ministry. The church exists to minister to people. Ministry is demonstrating God's love to others by meeting their needs and healing their hurts in the name of Jesus. Each time you reach out and love to others, you are ministering to them. The church is to minister to all kinds of needs, spiritual, emotional, relational, physical. Jesus said that even a cup of cold water given in his name was considered as ministry that would not go unrewarded. He said in the Great Commission, go and make disciples. Let's add a third branch. The word that describes this would be evangelism. Maybe that's the outermost branch. The church exists to communicate God's word. We are ambassadors for Christ and our mission is to evangelize the world. The word go here in the Greek, it should read as you are going. It is every Christian's responsibility to share the good news wherever we go. We are to tell the whole world of Christ's coming, his death on the cross, his resurrection and his promise to return. And as long as there is one person in the world who does not know Christ, the church has a mandate to keep growing. Church growth is not optional. It is commanded by Jesus. We should not seek church growth for our own benefit, but because God wants people saved. Are you with me? What was branch number one? 
Worship. So love the Lord with all your heart. What was branch number two? Ministry. We're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. And number three was? Evangelism. Go and make disciples. And the f let's put a fourth branch on it. Baptizing them. This one talks about fellowship. Now, there are three Greek verbs in this area that describe that command. They are going, baptizing, and teaching. And each part of these is part of the command to make disciples. Why was baptism given such an emphasis? Importantly, it symbolizes fellowship. This fourth branch, identification with the body of Christ. As Christians, we are called to belong, not just believe. We're not lone rangers. We are meant to do this Christian life together. I need you. You need me. We're all part of God's body. Amen. Praise God. And then a fifth and final branch for your consideration. Jesus said, teaching them to obey. And this one talks about discipleship. The church exists to edify or educate God's people. Discipleship is the process of helping people become more like Christ in their thoughts, feelings, and actions. It starts from when someone is first born again and continues throughout the rest of their life. As a church, we are called not only to reach people, but also to teach them. After someone has made a decision for Christ, he or she must be discipled. It is the church's responsibility to develop people to spiritual maturity. So, if I were to order these things as I wrap up, let's say we're talking about unbelievers. Number one, we have the branch of evangelism. It's reaching out. That person comes to church, and now they encounter a worship service, the second branch. They come to Christ. They get born again. Now they are part of the fellowship of believers, and now they're participating in life with the church, and they get baptized. It moves on to training. Now they need training. They need that fourth branch, uh, a fourth branch of discipleship. So you'll notice I ordered it a little differently here. And then as they get more and more serious and grow in their relationship to Christ, it moves on to ministry and missions. They might stay, and you might stay in this present church, or God might call you to uh, start another ministry, if that's the call of God on your life. It's all part of the expansion plan. And fruit needs time to mature to this state. So many people get discouraged because they're not a mature believer overnight. This thing takes time. You see this stem? That stem represents the life that was going into this apple to make it mature throughout that whole process. And you know John chapter 15. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And later on he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot be fruitful apart from the body of Christ. What is my message to you today as, as you move forward in fruitfulness and not staying down ever? Stay plugged in. If God has called you to this house, stay plugged in. This is a life source for you. Stay plugged in. Don't quit on your pastor. Don't quit on your pastor's wife. Don't quit on the ministry, no matter what comes. Stay with it. Stay plugged into God. Don't be one of those believers that says, I can do church on my own. I can go out into the bush. I can go into the woods. Yes, you can, but we need each other.
We need each other. God is growing this fellowship. I can see it. Pastor, I can see it. There's more people here. Overflow. Wave your hands. Overflow. Praise God. Praise God. God is doing great things among his people. God is doing great things among his people. Don't be afraid if God prunes you. God might have to cut off a little bit here and there to help you be even more fruitful later on. So don't be afraid of that. Stay plugged in. And mature believers, uh, we are always responsible to make sure that the newest person who walks in through our doors is made, felt, is made to feel welcome and appreciated. That's our job. And as I wrap up, I just had a final note to say. There's another kind of seed I want to talk about. The Bible says that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among men, and we beheld his glory. And they put him in the ground too. And they thought he could stay there, and they tried to keep him under their feet. It was impossible. That seed made flesh, Jesus Christ, our Savior, he went into that grave, and yes, he died, but he was incorruptible. The life of God hit him, and resurrection power flowed, and he rose three days later. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And that same resurrection life is also in you. And mothers and fathers who have gone on in the Lord, should the Lord tarry his coming, and none of us knows our day or time, but if we go to our grave, I want to give you hope and faith today. That if you go into that ground six feet under, I promise you, keep that word of God in you right into the end. You're going to hear that trumpet and your body is going to come up because the life of Christ in you is going to raise up also you. And you're going to reign with Christ forever. I believe in that. I believe in that. May you be fruitful, heaven's gate. May you multiply. May you take over. May the devil be under your feet. May the young men and young women of this assembly be filled with the word of God. Your future is bright and glory awaits you. When you break up through that topsoil, do you know what's going to happen? The breeze and a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit is going to smile on you. You're going to see the sunshine. That thing that has been brewing on the inside of you, it's going to pop up. You might feel pressure underneath, but when you break through, you'll know it. And then your growth will just accelerate. God bless you. I love you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Once again, my name is Brother Conrad. I love you. God bless you. I'll turn it back over to your pastor. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. Amen.